You're listening to Straight Shooters, a straightforward golf podcast that'll straighten out your game. And here are your hosts, Keith Bennett and Henry Statina. All right, welcome back to the Straight Shooters Golf Podcast. Keith Bennett, Henry Statina here. Uh, we got a great interview with Blair Wheeler. Uh, Blair is an Instagrammer, uh, surfer, fitness guru. He's a guy that's looking to break 80. Just like a lot of folks at home, he's going to be sharing with us uh, a lot of the tips and tricks and, and, and aspects of his journey that have been valuable. Um, and I think it's going to be really helpful for the people out there. Uh, Keith, tell us a little bit about what, what we're about to hear. Yeah, no, it was cool having Blair on the podcast. I think um, you and I had talked at length about this uh, weekly. You know, people have these goals in mind, these these sort of uh, carrots dangling out in front of them, you know, break 100, break 90, and in Blair's case, break 80. Um, but a lot of people throw those numbers around and don't really have any goals or ways to, you know, plan systems in place to make those happen. You know, how are they actually going to go about that? You know, there's a process involved. And it was kind of interesting to hear what Blair's doing. You know, he's got every excuse in the book built in, just like the rest of you out there as far as, you know, I got a family at home, I got a job, I'm working, I got emails to answer, you know, I get home and I don't want to do anything other than hang out. And, you know, he is, is taking all that in stride and, and still coming up with plans and ways to attain his goal. And he's putting it out there for everybody to watch and witness, hopefully to be an inspiration uh, for everyone else to, to also kind of come up with ways to make their goals happen. So we get into a lot of cool stuff from his time with hanging out with Scott Stallings, PGA tour professional, you know, things he learned from him, uh, kind of how he can relate his consistency to working out and how that can also relate to his consistency in becoming a better golfer. We kind of compare those two things and, and talk about some ways where he could transfer that same mindset over to golf. So there's a lot of really cool stuff in here that we're going to unpack. And uh, yeah, without further delay, let's get into the episode. Here is Blair Wheeler. Mr. Blair Wheeler, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast this morning, all the way from, uh, well, the opposite side of the country from me. Uh, Henry's a little closer to you, but uh, yeah, man, nice to officially meet you. Um, Henry and I have been following you from afar and kind of following along with your journey and which is uh, you're making very public about, you know, kind of knocking down some golfing milestones that a lot of others can relate to. And we're just excited to talk to you about that journey and some things you're doing to make it happen. I mean, you've got all the excuses in the world that everybody else comes to the table with when Henry and I give lessons, right? Family, job, uh, you know, short on time. Um, but seems like you're, you're not really letting that stuff get in the way, which uh, which we think is pretty cool. So we're looking forward to talking to you, but uh, how you doing? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, reaching out. Let me come on the show. Let me kind of um, speak more about what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I have a podcast too and talk pretty extensively on that with uh, with different people about what's going on. But yeah, I appreciate you guys letting me come on the show. Absolutely. So uh, for the listeners who maybe haven't uh, caught on to your Instagram page or listened to the podcast, uh, what have you been doing the last handful of years? You know, how did you get to this point where you're at right now? Give us a little background on you, you know, kind of, you know, growing up a little bit, maybe into college and then how we got here. Yeah, well, I was just talking to Henry about this before uh, we started the show, but I'm from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina originally. Um, it's 
it's hard to not play golf growing up in Myrtle Beach. I think there's something like 87 or 117 courses in like a 35, 40 mile radius, right? Crazy amount of golf to be played. And it's all, it's 99% public, right? So you can walk on anywhere and get a tee time anywhere from $150 to like a $20 tee time. Like it, there's so much variation in what you can play there. So I grew up in Myrtle Beach, played golf, but I played every other sport under the sun, football, baseball, soccer, basketball. Um, in high school, I played football. I played golf on the golf team. And I was the worst person on the team too. Like I shot roughly the same I do now, mid to low 80s, but everybody else either was going to school to be a PGA pro after high school or got a college golf scholarship. Like three of our guys on the team went to play D1 golf. One guy went to Clemson, one guy went to Coastal Carolina, uh, one guy went to Florida Atlantic. Like it was crazy. Uh, and then there was me who was just there because the coach was cool with me going surfing when there was waves, because at that same time I was still um, had this idea that I could be a professional surfer, which I surfed semi-professionally until like through college because I went to Coastal Carolina, stayed in Myrtle Beach. Um, and until I got a real job, then I got a real job in California, didn't really play golf as much, kind of would get the bug here and there, play consistently for a couple months and then let it go. Like a lot of people who are just kind of dabbling with the game. Um, and then when I got engaged to my wife now, her dad's really good. Like her dad's like a six or seven handicap. And I hate losing. I hate losing more than I enjoy winning. So I couldn't stand getting beat by this dude. And still, still to this day, can't stand getting beat by him. So I was like, I have to start playing golf more. And then the, the journey started. I had a small social following um, at that time, just from working and having a dream job out of college and traveling to really, really cool places and being around some really cool people. And uh, yeah, I just started telling that story of like, I'm a 13 handicap trying to get to a 10, trying to get to a single digit and, and going on that journey. And over the past year or so, um, I've really solidified my North Star and figuring out what works for me and how to do that, right? Like I posted a video the other day of my swing change from 2000 and like late 2018 to today. Mm -hmm. And Keith, I don't know if you saw it, but it's night and day. Like it looks like a different golfer. It does, man. It's looking good. It's a work in progress. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, that's cool. I mean, that, that's really cool to hear the background. Um, I, you know, I'm coming from a similar sort of background of, you know, riding a board sideways, so to speak. Um, I grew up snowboarding. I mean, that was my sport. Um, I didn't really touch a set of golf clubs officially until I was probably 16. Um, just grew up in Vermont where winter was everything and snow sports were everything. And, and I was also in that same semi-professional boat of, you know, pretty elite high-level junior, um, got into a few magazines and was invited to some pretty big events. And, Same, yeah. and, and then, you know, a few injuries kind of made me double think, you know, kind of take a second look at what I was doing and college was approaching and, and uh, similar to you, I kind of got the golf bug just along that path um, and had a little junior membership uh, at a country club near my house. And, 
and one thing led to another. And I think golf was something where, you know, it's kind of, uh, if you shoot a low score, you win. If you don't, you don't, and no one's judging you. And, and, and it's kind of an interesting thing. I'm sure maybe you can sort of speak to that. Whereas like in surfing, you get a score, right? They kind of tell you. Yeah. Well, it's on the wave and, and golf, it's like, no, you shoot, you shoot, or you don't. Well, it's and competitive surfing. And, and I just had this conversation with Alex Diebold, who is like you, a, a former, well, I guess he's still a current professional snowboarder um, on my podcast last week. And it's very similar in the fact that you're like, yeah, in surfing, you're getting a score and you're surfing. It's more like um, Olympic gymnastics, right? Like you're going out, you're performing for judges and the judges are going to judge you based on what you did on that wave. But at the end of the day, you're still competing against yourself and trying to measure up to your own, what you know you can do in your head and what your mind's saying, like you need to do same with golf. Sure. Yep. Um, so you're still competing against yourself and, and nature at the same time. And it's the same with golf, right? You step up to a ball and you're like, well, I know I saw Keith's video. I know exactly what I need to do with my swing. Can you do it? Is the, like, can your body actually function that way and move that way is the question. Right. So it's similar in that aspect, but then the, the sporting aspect of it, of, of where you get your score in surfing and in golf is, is kind of what differs. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So was there a moment for you? Um, you know, I, we hear this all the time, like there was one shot you hit or one moment on a golf course, where it's like, you know, this is what I want to be doing more of, or was it just kind of an, you know, accumulating, you know, effect, so to speak? Well, it's getting older, right? Like yeah. moving back to North Carolina, I don't surf as much as I used to. Um, the way I'm a little jaded, I'm a lot jaded uh, when it comes to the quality of waves. Yep. So I don't have the itch to scratch like I used to when I was living in California. And um, now more so than like in the past, more of my friends are playing golf in their spare time. So, and living in a mile away from the country club is easy. I can just roll over there and hit balls or whatever. Yep. But for me, it's like all my friends are playing golf. My father and I was playing golf. My social media is about golf. So I have that aspect too, where it's more of a job than it is a hobby for me at this point, but I still enjoy it. Right. And growing up playing the game, my dad played golf before he passed away a ton and uh it, it, it's not there wasn't a certain moment per se it's just more so that all my friends are playing it I enjoy it I can take my kids out there to the range a, a little bit starting to now um so it's just it's just getting older man people more people are playing golf and it's just more accessible it's easier Absolutely. to roll out to the driving range for 30 minutes than it is to roll down to the beach get in the water surf get out of the water drive back home it's just takes more time and when you get older and have six month old twins yeah time uh, time is gold <laughs> hey blair what's your uh, what's your handicap right now and what is your training program look like how often you play practice how are you getting better so my official handicap is 11.2 on the gin um and in practicing i i might get out to the range to maybe two or three times a week, three times a week if I'm lucky and I'll play a full 18 twice a month. Um, practice it, it's kind of up in the air. Like there's days where I go to the course and I'll play 18 and I can't hit an iron shot to save my life. 
or I can't hit dry. I can't get off the tee box to save my life, but I'll shoot like 84 because my short game saves me. And then the next day I play, it's the complete opposite. I hit 14 fairways and I'm like three, like three chipping, right? Just trying to get on the green or hitting three out of the sand or whatever it is. So for me, it's more about like, I don't need to work on certain things. I need to work on better, more consistency. Uh, and I think that just comes from reps. I'm not a PGA pro, so I'm not sure what the, <laughs> what I need to do, but I'm pretty sure I just need more reps to get to build that consistency in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, how, just question, how do you intend to build more consistency? If- just play more, I guess. I'm not really sure. It's kind of, that's the, that's the, the gold question. I think if anybody had the answer for, you'd probably be a millionaire. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's probably just play more, but that said, I'd love to hear what you guys think as a uh, pretty, pretty good PGA pros. Yeah. Keith and I talk about this question all the time, actually. This is it, man. This is the number one question. Yeah. People are always asking for more consistency. Mm-hmm. And the answer is real simple. If you want to be, if you want to score more consistently, you need to play golf more consistently. Yeah. You need to play golf Practice more play. often, right? Yeah. yeah. And Practice so, um, you know, Keith and I both during this, this uh, pandemic thing, we've been able to build little hitting areas in our garage and uh, putting green and whatnot. Um, one of my new year's resolutions is to become more consistent, just like yours is. Mm-hmm. And my goal is to hit 12 golf balls every day. That's cool. And to putt for five to 10 minutes a day. And if I did that little goal, a little habit, I'm going to have transformed my game from where it was last year because I didn't even come close to playing that often. And so um, sometimes, you know, you know, I get the family thing, right? The timing is so difficult to find four hours to go play around a golf or six when you consider travel and commute. But if we can find little ways of practicing for 15 or 20 minutes at a time, that's going to be really valuable in keeping our game sharp until the next time we're able to get out to the course and practice. For sure. And that's one of the things like I started on my social media this week was talking about practicing daily, right? Mm -hmm. And doing a little daily nine. I know I copied it from Riggs at Barstool. It's fine. Uh, What's the, what's the saying? flatter or imitation is the best one of flattery so yep. good idea i'm gonna steal it from him and <laughs> so i'm doing that now and trying to i did one on i think i posted it on thursday and i didn't post one yesterday or saturday so i need to post another today but um just working on consistently putting or consistently chipping or doing little things that are going to help me long term and in my in my current quest to break 80 so yeah i mean nail in the head play more, practice more. That's the, uh, the golden ticket to better golf, I think. Hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, with following you and kind of watching how you've been going about it, you know, we've seen that obviously you're close with or friends with Scott Stallings, who mm-hmm. is a PGA tour player and somebody who's obviously, you know, kind of a model of, of that, what we're talking about of consistency, right? There's no way you can get to that level of, of golf. Um, but also we've also followed his journey of, you know, really taking care of himself and prioritizing health and getting in the best shape probably of his life. I would, I would assume. Um, oh, definitely of his life. Transforming his body. Right. And yeah. so 
what have you, I mean, that's a really cool opportunity to be up close and personal with somebody who's living it and somebody who is, you know, kind of, you know, made it, so to speak. What have you picked up from Scott that he does that, you know, you're like, wow, man, that is, you know, he's doing it. He gets it. Or, you know, what does he do that, that you can sort of pick a little bit from to kind of help you along your, your path? I think the biggest thing that I've learned from my friendship with Scott is the, uh, the attitude and effort piece, mm. right? Consistency, consistency is a habit at the end of the day. If you do something consistently for, I think it's 10 or 14 days, it becomes a habit. And then you just habitually do that thing. It's like fitness for me. Like I know every day I'm going to wake up five days a week and I'm going to have coffee. I'm going to have my pre-workout and then I'm going to get into the gym. And I've just done that for years. And that's just what I do every morning. Um, but from Scott, his whole thing of attitude and effort, he made his shirts, like he made a bunch of shirts this year about it. Um, having a positive attitude and putting a hundred percent or 110% effort into whatever you're doing, doesn't matter if it's fitness and health or golf and not getting down on yourself and not just half-assing it is probably the biggest thing that I've pulled from him because he's had every excuse in the world to like get down on himself when he got diagnosed with, uh, I think it was adrenal fatigue that he had. I'm not quite, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one, but he got diagnosed with something. The doctor was like, dude, you're not going to live much longer, let alone play golf much longer. Wow. He had a hard time getting, I, he told the story on my, on my podcast, getting down the fairway. Like I think it was Ryan Moore, Russell Henley or somebody was playing with him. And Scott was just like, lethargic walking down 17 or 18 like could barely get up to the green and the, the other golfer turned around was like dude are you okay and turns out he wasn't right and he had to completely transform his entire life like cut out sweets cut out everything get on rp and start really renaissance periodization it's like a diet template basically yeah. how you eat had to start doing that change the way he eats train start training because he had, didn't really work out at all before that. So he had every excuse in the world not to do that stuff. He could just be like, oh, well, I've won a couple million dollars. Like I, I'm good. Like I could retire right now and be fine and just start another business or start teaching or whatever else. But he didn't. And he said like, you know what? It's attitude and effort and it's consistency. Um, so that's the biggest thing I found. I've, I've learned from him, I guess, is the attitude and effort part. Yeah, you, that's you, you, you bring up a really interesting point about attitude and effort and then the uh, crossover between golf training and then physical training. Mm -hmm. you, it sounds like you have a pretty detailed program that you go through every, you know, you have five days, you wake up, it's part of your habit. Yeah. Well, you do I, it at home. Yeah. Well, I have a home gym. Like I, so my wife and I bought this house in the middle of this pandemic. Right. And um, I'm try. I try to avoid saying the word pandemic or coronavirus because it might get this podcast flagged. But whatever. Um, sorry, guys. Um, we bought this house during the pandemic in May, and then one of the things I've always wanted in a house is like a garage gym or a home gym. Like, like I don't know if you've seen Scott's, but his is like a barn in the back, and it's sick. It's like everything I've ever wanted in a, in a home gym. So started building out this home gym. I don't need to go to the gym anymore. I have weights. I have a cardio machine, a, an assault bike and uh, battle ropes and literally everything I need in the garage. So I do CrossFit. Um, I'll, I kind of bounce between 
a couple different programs from one's CrossFit Krypton in Virginia, the other's CrossFit Mayhem in, um, in Cookville, Tennessee, and uh, kind of bouncing back and forth between those. And it's not all golf training. Like I do a lot of mobility and stretching and stuff. Uh, that is a little golf specific and stretching your obliques and your back and getting that turn motion in and getting everything loose. Um, so I do a lot of that, but in, in terms of training, it's all just making me a more functional, better, stronger person. Which mm. I feel directly impacts my golf game because me squatting 375 makes my legs and my core stronger, which makes everything else I do stronger. Right. Yeah. yeah you, you asked, so I'm curious to, to offer an, an option. Um, I have this idea where, you know, in fitness, we have a written out plan, maybe where we do certain number of sets and reps. Um, in golf, we should have a similar type practice program. And you already have an indoor facility. Sounds like you're using your garage. Could you set up a net to chip into or a putting mat and put into and just add that to your workout five days a week? I could definitely. Pr- could I? Yes. Wouldn't my wife be stoked on it? Absolutely not. Um, so I could do something where I could hit like maybe six irons, maybe six iron might be the longest club because my, my ceiling isn't super high. So I think six iron would probably be the limit of what I could swing comfortably in there. But yeah, I could definitely set something up, but my wife would not be real, would be be really excited about me setting up an indoor driving range. How about chipping? (laughs) Chipping and putty. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to get, um, whenever the stuff comes back in stock, I'm going to buy like a, a chipping. I have a putty mat in my office. Um, this isn't my office. This is our spare bedroom. And um, I, have a, I have a putty mat. I put a lot, but I need, I need to work on like green reading. And I'm trying to learn um, aim point. So that's currently what I'm doing. But I have a putty mat, put all the time. I could set up a chipping mat, chipping green. I'm going to get one of those nets and just chip into it in the backyard or front yard or something. Um, and we're working on redoing the backyard of this house too. So in the next five months or so, I'll have more space that I could actually set up like a full, like driving area in the backyard. Just need to get the equipment. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. We recently talked to uh, Colin Henderson, who's uh, local to me here in Seattle and he's a, a mindset guru and, uh, you know, talks that one of the things that really resonated with me that I think I have already taken into my teaching daily is he said, you know, we want to do a lot of a little versus a little of a lot. And that really hit me. Like we want to be doing a lot of a little daily. Right. And a lot of, you know, students can students of mine who have, you know, mirrors available to them and, and things at home where they can just stand in front of a mirror and make, slow motion, deliberate swings, or just at least get a club in their hands and, and work on body movements and postural things like that. Yeah. can go such a long ways. You know, I always tell people, you know, we don't even really need a golf ball to work on our golf swing. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, you're just trying to build a motion that's going to be responsible for sending a ball to a target later on. And, you know, a lot of what, you know, we've been watching you do on, on your Instagram channel is, you know, kind of work on little things from the top of your swing or little, you know, pieces from the top of your backswing and that sort of stuff. And yeah, that could be something where it's just easy to start to ingrain those patterns and those movements, 
you know, without a golf ball, just in front of a full length mirror, which, you know, sounds like might even be perfect to put into a gym as well. Yeah. And my, I'm trying to get some mirrors and there's a few things that are hard to come by in uh, 2021. Mirrors are one, plexiglass is one, um, wood and other building supplies. <laughs> another. So yeah, as soon as things start to become more available, I plan to do that kind of stuff and get that sort of thing. Because like you said, one of the things I'm working on is, is like not rotating, I guess, uh, internally and turning my hands. I don't know if this is going to be video, but turning like my glove hand towards me and really opening up the club face and doing it the other way and really shutting the club face, which is why I like the way you teach Keith, because you really break it down um, on, on your videos really well. So that's one of the things that I've been working on with my friend, Alex Riggs. And uh, he's another PXG ambassador too. Yeah. I wanted to actually talk to you about uh, Alex Riggs and how you are going about working on your golf swing, right? Cause this is something again, that, a lot of people are dealing with right now and in the time we're living in where maybe we can't get to the range or we don't want to go out into, you know, that environment and we have a net set up in the backyard and maybe we can work on our golf swing. And, you know, in 2021, uh, you know, for the past couple of years, there's been an opportunity to work with some excellent coaches that are scattered all over the world. I mean, right. the coach you're working with is in friggin' Dubai yeah. and you're, uh, <laughs> you're in the States here. So um, speak on, cause I think this would be cool for the listeners to hear too. speak on how you've gone about working on your golf swing with a remote coach, uh, and, you know, using an app Skillist that Henry and I are, are also coaches on. Yeah. Well, I use Skillist and I also use an app called GiveGo, which I, I've spoken with you, Keith, about, mm -hmm. um, which I'm actually on the board for, which is pretty cool. It's a little different than Skillist, but Skillist is cool. Um, I feel like to work with an online coach, you really need to have a good base already. I don't think it's ideal for people who are picking, just picking up the game that might need more hands-on learning or, or more hands-on approach that could benefit more from in-person teaching. But mm -hmm. if you're, if you're already like a 15 handicapper below, you can definitely learn something on Skillist. Right. And um, it's been really good. And I think me having, the athletic background that I have is really easy because Alex or something you put out on Instagram, I can listen to and I can say, Oh, I can do that. And I can just go break it down in the yard and, and make my body move that way and make my body feel the way it's supposed to feel through the golf swing. Um, and, I mean, it's really cool that we can like Alex is one of the best coaches in the world and, and having that ability to just hit him up and because North Carolina and it has a ton of great PGA pros, but if you're not local to a Pinehurst or you don't have access to them because they work at a private club, it's, it's not great because then you're stuck with either a newer guy or a younger or an older guy who maybe doesn't teach the way that you need to be taught. So you have the ability to find somebody that meshes with you the way you learn and the way you comprehend things. Absolutely. Yeah. It's cool. Cause we can, you know, and I can totally see this from the student's perspective, right? I mean, you can pop on an Instagram page and you can go, Oh, I can watch 10 videos and I can totally figure out this guy's teaching style or this girl's teaching style before I ever sign up for a lesson. Right. So it's not right. like you're, you don't know what to expect going in. So you can totally figure out how you feel like you might receive a lesson or, or how they're going to speak to you via video. And, and it's almost like they're, 
kind of putting out their resume, so to speak, and then you can go on and, and take a lesson. So, um, you know, how have you two been structuring those lessons? Like, is it, is it little kind of little clips of just kind of monitoring stuff or are you guys working on some wholesale changes? I mean, I know you'd been kind of working on keeping those forearms from rotating in the backswing so that the club face doesn't get a little too open from you from the top. Um, you know, so how have you guys been, been doing that and, and has that been working well for you? Yeah, ours is a little, the way that we work together is a little different than I think a normal um, skillist coach student relationship or coach athlete relationship. Um, mine's more so like I'll send him a video. He'll give me some things to work on and then like some, some drills to do or some things to, uh, or tell me some things I need to be feeling through my swing. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then it's up to me to go feel those out. Right. Because I right. have the ability to just go out there and kind of tinker and figure it out. Um, so like you said, he, the, the forearm rotation is a great example. I was turning my hands too much and internally, I guess, putting, pointing my, my glove hand in the wrong direction. So one of the things he told me was you want your glove hand to basically be pointing away from you and getting your wrist to, to flex the opposite direction and make it feel like DJ at the top and have the logo on your glove pointing, I guess it'd be behind you or pointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pointing behind you. So he told me that. And then I was like, and then he's like, all right, go do it. Just went figured it out and consistency drills, just pausing at the tops, turning those hands and swinging through. It was one of the drills I just posted the other day mm-hmm. and it's helped a lot, man. I mean, for me, I was like kind of um, bending my right arm too much. And I, there was a ton of changes I've made in my swing and a ton still to make because I, I mean, it's not a really uh, consistent swing that I have now. It just works. And uh, yeah, it's just work. And there's some still, there's still some changes to be made for sure, but so far so good. We're training and in the right direction. Good. Good. Do you feel like you would have been able to pick up on some of that stuff on your own or is that only? No. no. Okay, cool. Absolutely yeah, yeah. not. Absolutely not. Like I have friends that have never had a lesson and they've, they've just watched videos of Adam Scott swing just to <laughs> right. figure out like, yeah, he looks pretty good on video. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> okay. um, my friend Ian Folk, he's the, he's the marketing director at electric sunglasses. Right. And yeah. He has never taken a golf lesson or maybe, maybe now he has, but he's like a two or three handicap and he taught himself how to swing just by breaking down Adam Scott swing on YouTube. Yeah. Like yeah. it's crazy, but <laughs> I would never have been able to figure this thing out just going to the range and banging balls by myself like no way yeah cool so i think that's hey listeners out there let's get a coach who can walk you through it sounds Mm -hmm. like that's working for you (laughs) (laughs) um so you know we have a lot of students henry and i both who want to break our you know break milestones in the game right 190 80 you know you name it right they want to get better So, you know, you've kind of got every excuse in the book, just like everybody else has every excuse in the book for not making it happen, right? You know, twins, family, you know, everything else going on, time constraints, right? I mean, the time we're living in, I mean, it's just, it's a crazy world right now. Um, So it's really commendable that you've been able to do it and make it happen. Um, And, you know, swing aside, right? It's kind of like Henry and I always talk about, 
you know, you could have the world's greatest golf swing, right. But Adam Scott doesn't win every week, you know, and, um, there's a mindset and there's course management and there's expectation management and there's focus, right. That goes into it. And I'm sure you've seen that same focus in Scott stalling. So is there anything that you're working on to manage your mind? Right. Because I mean, when you're coming down the stretch and you've got a couple holes left and you might need par par to, to shoot 79 or 78, right? Like, what are you leaning on? Because, you know, like we know, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to your lowest, your highest level of, you know, preparation. So mm-hmm. is there anything you're doing there to, to make sure that, you know, you're able to stay focused in the moment? Not really for me, for me, when I'm playing and I'm playing well, I can't look at the score, right? It's just like a baseball player or a pitcher throwing a no hitter. You can't say like, Oh, you're throwing a no hitter. Cause then it's like in your mind and you're thinking about it. So if I'm playing well and I have the chance to shoot, like if I, if I have a front nine that I know I didn't really, I didn't have, maybe I had one double bogey or I had a couple bogeys and the rest are pars and birdies. Like I'm not adding up that score and I'm not looking at it because then I'm thinking about a score rather than one hole at a time. Mm. And that's, that's just my mindset for a, a lot of sports that I played growing up. Like if you start thinking about the big picture and what you need to do, then that's the pressure you put on yourself and you, you need to break it up into smaller goals. Like you step up to the you step up to 17 and you know, you've played well, you, you don't know really what you shot, but you know, you've played well and you have, might have a chance to break 80. You step up and you're like, all right, just need to hit this fairway. Step up to the next one. All right. I got 170 in. It's a nice little easy seven iron or maybe club up or a little bit. Unless your adrenaline's going, then you can club down. So nice little easy seven iron into the green. All right, I missed the green. It's just a, a chip and a putt. Chip it up, putt it in. And uh, breaking that down into smaller goals and having the entire course, not 18 holes, not like a one course that's 18 holes. You break it up into four different shots on each hole. And that's mm-hmm. what's worked best for me. Yeah. So, I mean, that is kind of a technique to stay present, right? Uh, you know, that one shot at a time mindset, you know, I find that talking to students who are trying to do the same thing as you, right. It's like, Oh, they shoot 48 on the front nine and then they chill out and you know, they're kind of like, well, this round's toast. And then they end up shooting like 42 on the back and they go, Holy smokes. You know, I could have done X, Y, and Z if I had just had that mindset, you know, from the jump. Um, But you know, a lot of people go to that first tee with these grand expectations and this visions of grandeur about, you know, oh, I've been putting in all this practice time and games feeling good. And then, you know, the weight, there's so much weight and expectations on the shoulders that they shoot themselves out of it from the, from the jump. And then they're, they're playing catch up. But actually what's interesting is when they stop caring so much and just kind of enjoy the people they're with or enjoy the day that they kind of get to be out on a golf course, they end up playing a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's been tough, right? Like I know, if I'm on the course and I look at my phone and something's going wrong with work and I get a, a weird email on a Saturday or a weird email on a Sunday or Alex, my wife calls me and she's mad that I didn't do something. I didn't take the trash out or like some little things like those yep. things get in your head. Right. Um, and I have a joke with my father-in-law when we're playing, like I'll call his wife, my, my mother-in-law and be like, yo, can you give John a call to like break up that game? Cause he's playing really good. She hasn't done it yet, but maybe, maybe a birthday present or something here in the future will be a uh, get out of jail free card. Um, so, so yeah, it's all about staying present though. Once you start letting those little things creep in, um, you're toast. 
Yeah, absolutely. So have you had any, you know, close run-ins with the magic number here of late? Where, where are we at along? Uh, how, how's the game been recently? It's been okay. Hadn't really had as much time to play and practice, and especially now in North Carolina in the wintertime. Like, every course I've played over the last two months has been really, really, really wet, right? Yeah. It rains a bunch, doesn't drain as well, even though the soil is really sandy. Um, so it's just, it's just been soggy, and it's hard to score when it's soggy, when it's really soggy conditions. Um, I've actually broke 80 twice, but they both times were before – this whole situation of me on social media and talking about breaking 80. The first time was in high school. I shot, I shot 79 in a, in a high school tournament, which is really cool. I mean, got toast by everybody else shooting like (laughs) 79 was cool. And then uh, I shot 78 the day before I proposed to my wife, which is my mind clearly was not on golf. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Other things were going on. Something to that. Yeah. Um, but since we've been talking about it, I've come close. I've shot 82 at Pioneer's number four once, um, which is a tough course. And, and my thing, too, is I'm not going out and playing easy courses to do it at, right? Like I'm playing Kiowa with Scott or I'm playing Pioneer's. Right. I'm playing this Fazio course that I live next to, Porter's Neck or my course, River Landing. They're hard courses. I'm not going out and playing the Wilmington Muni that's a Donald Ross and you're not going to lose a golf ball because there's not water on the entire course. <laughs> I'm playing tough courses and I'm playing from like 67, 6,800 yards. They're long too. Um, but uh, like when I play with Scott at Kiowa, I shot 84 from the championship tees, which I thought was pretty good. Um, shot 82 at, Ke- at uh, Pinehurst. And then I've had a couple other like, 82s 83s um kind of scattered out throughout the year so we're getting closer it's just a matter of me putting like i said putting everything together yeah absolutely you know something uh my college coach had us do that you might think about is he would have us play actually the most forward tees all the time and actually just get used to shooting in the low 60s right because your mind doesn't really remember what tees you played. It just remembers the scores that you were shooting. Right. So I think yep. sometimes a lot of people can get in this habit of, of just seeing themselves shoot 95, 98 all the time. Cause they're playing, you know, the blues or the black tees and it can be a nice little confidence breakup just to, you know, see yourself shoot. I mean, 70, right. Or, you know, yeah. 75 from, from the most forward tees. And obviously if you don't have a cup, you know, very often to play each month, it can feel like a little bit of a wasted exercise to go do it from the reds, yeah. but something to think about, cause I've seen it work wonders for a lot of people. I know for me, you know, I, when we did that exercise, I actually shot 60 in college from the red tees. And then in the next qualifying event, I think I shot 68, which was my low score for qualifying. And it was the day after it was like, my brain was just kind of accustomed to more birdies and you know didn't really care that i had moved back you know three more tee boxes so it's an interesting exercise for everyone out there that's kind of maybe stagnant in their scores to kind of shake it up a little bit yeah definitely that's one of the things when it dries out a little bit when i have a little more time um in the summer like when i can go play nine after work right like right now it's just not a possibility because it's dark by 5 30 right I, I do want to do that because I had – I can't remember who it was. Maybe Jordan Bryan or somebody tell me that. Um, maybe it was Scott. I think it was Scott. Somebody, somebody told me to do that same, same exercise, right? Like, go get your brain used to making birdies. 
because yeah. then it transitions back. It doesn't matter what T-box you're playing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you feel like being more vocal on social about it, has it put more pressure on you or has it made sure. you more, has it made you more accountable as well to kind of like, well, if I don't go practice for a couple of weeks, like I got nothing to post type thing. Actually both. Right. So it's more, there's more pressure to do it because people are always asking me about it. Yeah. I get like two to five DMs a day asking right. about Hey, did you break 80 yet? Right. No, guys. I haven't. <laughs> You'll know. You'll know. <laughs> You'll know. Um, and then accountability for sure. Like I can't use if I don't go practice or I don't putt or I don't do something, I don't have anything to talk about. And then right. I'm just stagnant. And like if you think about it in social media terms, people stop following you. Like right. you're not creating engaging content anymore. You're not adding value to anybody that's like following you and invested in your story so yeah. you have to keep up and you have to keep going because then just uh it's a snowball effect so absolutely the answer to yes is uh, to both is yes gotcha so uh we're about out of time now blair but uh since you're talking on social media can you share with us where people can find you as well as your podcast yep my podcast is the blair wheeler project podcast um formerly known as golf and stuff um from Karate Kid fame, but that had to be changed due to some, some legal issues. But, uh, so yeah, the Blair Wheeler Project podcast. Uh, I try to release an episode a week. Uh, in so far in 2021, that hasn't been the case. I've only put one out um, in 2021, but I have like good guests lined up. Bryce Butler, NFL player. Um, Scott's going to be back on. I think, and some more stuff with him coming up soon. Um, my Instagram's at Blair Wheeler uh facebook same i don't really use facebook as much kind of just to repost twitter i hate twitter but it's blair wheeler um, <laughs> and tiktok i'm on tiktok now guys so you might oh, see let's go. Some, some fun dances nice. getting, in with the, getting in with the youngsters hey man <laughs> trying to make it all happen um, so yeah i'm all over the place if you just type in my name you'll find me cool man i appreciate you coming on i know you have a busy day today um good luck in your journey to break 80 I think Thanks, that's guys. a fantastic uh, goal and you're, you're sharing it with the world is really helping people out. Yeah, man. Thank you guys. I appreciate the time. Appreciate it. Let me come on and tell the story. And uh, yeah, when I, when I do it, we're going to have a party. It's going to be <laughs> You'll awesome. Know. You'll, You'll know. You'll know. You'll know. All right, Blair. Well, thanks, man. Then once again, uh, nice to meet you. Nice to speak with you. I'm sure we'll be connecting more down the road. And, uh, you know, I won't be DM DMing you about whether or not you broke 80, but I'll be asking you, are you staying consistent? Are you staying consistent? That's the name of the game. Yes, sir. Keep me accountable. Thank you yes, for having sir. me on. All right, Blair. Take care, buddy. Take thanks, care, sir. man. Thanks.